Welcome to Adults Only Comedy Berlin. Today, it's just me. Um, I've finally got my shit together and uh, I came back from Australia on Wednesday, the 12th of April. And um, to be honest, uh, in the first few days where I was like, oh, I should record a podcast and like update what's been happening. I was so depressed. Um, I was, yeah, I was not in a good place. Really happy to see all my Berlin people, uh, like the community, the comedy community, my friends, um, boys, all really, really lovely. Uh, just my home environment was uh, starkly empty. You know, after being with my family for like four weeks, you know, in the house of my brother with his wife, th four kids now, and with my stepdad and my mom also staying in the same house. And then like my stepbrother and stepsister visiting every few days, just constantly like surrounded by people who I love and love me. And then I come back to Berlin and I've got lots of people around, but my apartment is very just me. And um, anyway, so I wasn't really in a podcasting mood. I was really uh, needing to evaluate my life choices <laughs> and, um, and yeah, but now um, I will be I'll be getting some some audience some audience some podcast guests um, happening and uh, and I will be back on. I'm going to do a bit of a um, at least like uh, image rebranding of the pod as well and um, and get a bit serious and finally get this shit up on Patreon with uh, with videos. So that's all in the pipeline. Um, but yeah, I wanted to give a little bit of like a a, a final kind of like a recap and and closing out of the, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Um, I had a really good time there. If you haven't listened to the episodes with Andrew Portelli and Aidan Jones, I really recommend them. Uh, I love those guys. Really, uh, really happy I'm friends with them and got to spend so much time. Well, got to spend quite a bit more time with Andrew because he was also in Adelaide when I was there, but really great to have caught up with them and um, to have them as colleagues in Melbourne. So, um, so yeah, uh, check those out. But um, the festival overall in Melbourne compared to the Adelaide one, uh, there were way more places to, to spot. You know, I, I did probably four or five um, other people's shows, which was awesome. And uh, just to try out newer material as well as, you know, just do stuff that's not in my solo. Um, I met a bunch of other comedians too. So it was a bit more, there was, you know, it's a comedy festival. So it was way more... Mm, collaboration and uh, and running into other people um other comedians and getting to know them and um Aidan Jones uh, had a like the premiere of his film that he did on the Edinburgh Festival um I forget what it's called but he he did a screening of that in Melbourne and I went to that and um and yeah and so this these festivals being my first ever festivals you know for comedians who are interested in doing festivals you know it, I think obviously be real with yourself. It's going to take a while before you actually have it as a profitable, um, venture. I, I didn't lose money, which, uh, is amazing. And I am super grateful for how that all worked out. I could have made more money for sure. And I've learned, um, some things like, you know, I can definitely charge more for my tickets. Um, 
you know, uh, I could probably pay less for a venue, although my venue was amazing. If you're in Melbourne, please support Red Betty. They were they were really great. I didn't pay that much for my venue, but um, and and the value that they brought, amazing. Let me just lick their assholes completely. Um, but yeah, really really love my venue, and uh, it was it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. But yeah, little little learnings around um, ticketing, marketing. You know, if you're wanting to do a festival, um, you know, running meta ads useless absolutely useless so you can give facebook a big fuck off uh if you're doing festivals because every i asked every single person that came through the door at both the adelaide fringe and the melbourne uh festival and every single one of them found my show because they were scrolling through the festival website and they saw the name of my show so a uh, big tip have a have an eye-catching name and um and don't don't put any money into into meta advertising because it's not the the registration fee that you pay you know most people are going to find you because of your listing in the festival guide so now insight number one um insight number two which i may have already talked about dark comedy in australia ha audiences need a fair warning um i'll just slide over that and then um and then what else about the festival uh yeah, just it was really wonderful performing to I had I had friends and family come and that was um that was great. Like a lot of them know all of the the failures of my life, so you know, some of the punchlines weren't a surprise, but um they they all genuinely enjoyed it. Um <laughs> but um and it was it was really nice showing them what, what I do and uh yeah, and also proving to the bar that you know, there was a there was another woman who had her show. Uh, she just did two nights, and um, and on both those nights, you know, she had people there that she knew. And my first week in Melbourne, you know, numbers weren't great. I got like I got like 10, 11, and then like seventeen in audience, and then and then like nineteen. But I knew nobody. Um, but then the next week, yeah, one of my shows, I had I had like twenty seven people in there, and I only didn't know six of them which was uh, which was a new experience for me in, in, in Melbourne. Um, all these people from my from my deep history, like I had people come from my insurance job that I worked at. And that was so nice seeing them and it was so lovely. Um, but, you know, and then I had people from my, my hospo days. So like my crazy drunk um, kitchen and bar staff friends. And, um, and actually it was one of my good friends who, uh, derailed my show the most um you know which only good friends can really do <laughs> talking drunkenly in the back kind of reacting to my jokes it's like babe what are you thinking and I couldn't really you know when you know someone and they're heckling you it's um it's difficult but that was you know classic Melbourne Aussie times um so yeah so that was that was the Melbourne festival I will be going back um and I am excited to go back and yeah fucking get better at it and spend a bunch of time with them with all the fam again and and build that shit um i did have uh i did have a couple of really nice dates in melbourne um i uh i think i kind of signed off on the adelaide pod um episode where i said i had a date that night and that was that was fun um that was that was fun i uh it's kind of weird divulging really personal details in a podcast episode where it's just me. So I'm not sure how, like I prefer them to come up naturally in a conversation, but let's see, let's see what I spill out from these dates. But, um, the Adelaide date, nice guy. Uh, 
not into period sex, which, um, which was interesting. And I'd been meditating on that as a, as a, as a topic anyway. And then that happened. And, um, yeah, so I, uh, I offered something else and then, um, okay, no, I'm not going into this, <laughs> but, uh, but basically it was, it was a fun date. It was a fun date. He wanted me to spend the night, which was really cute. And, um, and I was like, nah, I've got to fly out the next day. So, you know, got, got an Uber whose name, uh, the driver, my driver's name was Dexter. I'm like, this isn't a good sign. Um, but got home safe and sound and then had a nice, uh, journey to Melbourne, <coughs> to Melbourne the next day. Um, <coughs> so then in Melbourne, I had, uh, I had two dates with two different guys and basically what I've taken away from my dating in Australia. So in my five weeks in Australia, I had three dates and all three of them were cool guys, good chats, fun sex, uh, open to like drugs but in like a healthy way and uh yep and uh what did I what else was it I like and felt safe uh attractive you know um and I kind of like stepped away from my my tindering experience in Australia I was like you know what I'm good at this now like I didn't I didn't waste a single date on someone that I didn't want to spend you know multiple hours with um so just, you know, just a word out to anyone who's still like mm, dating apps. I think, I think you can make them work for you. I don't know about, I really can't speak on the, on the topic of getting a relationship out of them, but, um, but yeah, just be cutthroat. If any interaction isn't feeling good when you're, when you're chatting to someone, um, on the app, you know, just let it go. Like as soon as you don't, you're not feeling into it, just let it go. Um, some people will call that ghosting, but other people say that if you haven't met them, it's not ghosting. But yeah, just just listen to your intuition, absolutely, um, and only put energy into times that actually like to interactions that feel good. And yeah, I had just really lovely experiences. Um, the first guy in Melbourne, um, yeah, really um, like different kind of different kind of personality, but just so Aussie. Like all of them were just so beautifully Aussie, and um, and yeah, and. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to divulge all the details on him. I feel like that's weirdly uh, exposing, but really cool guy had like a 13th floor apartment, um, amazing views in South Yarra. Uh, he had a sauna on his balcony, um, just like a bunch of, you know, comfort and, uh, you know, solid full-time job. The night that we met, he'd just been to, um, to see Obak Obak. I just said Obak Obama. Yep, that's his name, Barack Obama. Uh, present in Melbourne, and um, yeah, just really fun chats. Um, he, uh, yeah, he he got me an Uber the next morning. It was an Uber pool, but um, he said that that was a mistake. <laughs> Whatever. And uh, and then the and then the the next guy, um, the next guy. That sounds terrible. And then the other lovely person that I met. Um, you know, I'm still talking to to you know the the first guy in Melbourne as well, and um, as well as as well the next the, the 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 second person that I met who's really cool. He may or may not listen to this episode. Um, yeah, really really cool guy. And uh, and we just yeah vibe very well. Spent like an hour talking about LSD experiences and, um, and other drug things like he's gotten into drugs much later in life. And so, you know, very, 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 uh, informed and, and cautious, but enthusiastic. And, um, 
And I have to say, like, that was probably one of the coolest dates I've had for a while. Well, look, uh, credit to a lot of people that I see. But, um, you know, this guy, this guy, he um, takes me back to his place. And, like, he's got a whole basement. I hope this doesn't expose him. Um, a whole basement full of pinball machines, like super retro up to modern ones. He's like, all right, choose choose a couple and you can play pinball. And so played on these really cool old pinball machines. Um and it, like he, he knows all about them. It was explaining like the, 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 the sounds, like how the sounds were made in the old ones. And anyway, got an education. And then uh, he also had a foosball table. So then played foosball, um, you know, had some, uh, I, I'm not sure if I talked about drugs in Australia, but um, in Melbourne, I, um, I met up with a friend He's a friend. He's an old friend. It's an interesting old story with him. I actually forgot. Like he always comes. He's always comes back into my life, which I really like. And um, but it's always kind of like I I have reached out to him. You know, when I've been back in Australia, but when I haven't, our paths have just crossed randomly. And I'd actually forgotten. Um, and he reminded me when we caught up this time, and he came to my show as well in Melbourne. Um, that when I was on my honeymoon in Cambodia, we ran into each other in Cambodia of all places. And it was on this honeymoon that I was having the first kind of realization that my marriage was a terrible idea. And uh, yeah, and I was having a really, uh, like it took me a long time to admit that my honeymoon was really hard work and, um, and emotionally uh, woof, challenging. And, um, and I ran into this friend. I ran into this friend in Cambodia. I remember running into him and just being like, ah. Oh. I think for a split second, I was like, is this a sign? Um, cause this friend, we also used to sleep together and, um, yeah, I actually kind of cheated on a long-term boyfriend with him. Um, like we were, yeah, we were far, far apart, but at the same time, anyway, this, this, this long-term boyfriend knows this and I told him eventually, and I probably should never have told him cause it really upset him naturally. But, um, anyway, um, and this was really the only boyfriend that I've actually cheated on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ben. Um, okay, let me move on. So um, <laughs> so this friend who comes back in and out of my life uh, and who's talked about moving to Berlin for a long time, but I'm not holding my breath, uh, but it would be cool if he did and I think he'd really like it. But we were comparing drug catalogs. So um, basically the, the list that you get from your dealer with all the prices and uh, comparing his to mine, Australia, like Melbourne versus Berlin and you know just you know not that um I'm a dealer or there's anything I guess it's totally illegal but I think it's still interesting to talk about and I don't think I'll get in trouble will I I don't know um let's do it let's do it um so in Australia if you don't know this already a gram of cocaine will cost you three hundred dollars whereas in Berlin a gram will cost you a hundred euro um, but more shocking, uh, ketamine in Australia will cost you $300 for a gram also, just like Coke, whereas in Berlin, it's 30 euro. Uh, yeah, when I was in Adelaide, I managed to get my hands on some quote unquote ketamine. Uh, when I looked at it, I was immediately like, this is not, it's not even, I can't even see the, like the, the, the crystal, like the, the crystals aren't even, there's not even crystals. It's like powder. It's like, like, like fine white powder, which is just not how ketamine is. And, um, and I tried it and I was like, wow, Jesus, this stuff is so, 
insanely weak and cut down and it's like what am I just snorting baking powder which I think I was and I think I'm fine um, but uh but yeah anyway so um on the on the pinball pinball foosball uh date there was also um you know some some variety of um of, of consumables enjoyed and uh and yeah and also just a really cool energy of like let's do stuff we haven't done before and um <laughs> and so you know I, I will announce to the world that um i have finally pegged someone oh it's been like it's been like a, a couple of weeks of like me ticking off firsts sexually that i have had on my list for a while uh so that was pretty exciting i am going to try and write a bit about it um yeah and then getting back to berlin um i've already i've already written a bit about it but i uh I ticked off another thing that I never really thought was on my list, but it got added recently. And, uh, and in fact, like once it got added to my list, then another dude that I see was also like just randomly out of the blue was like, Hey Anna, um, I think I want to pee on you. Um, it's at this point that I always remember that my stepdad listens to my podcast. (laughs) But yeah, like the whole, you know, humiliation play is an interesting thing. And um, and I think once you sort of go down the kind of BDSM dom sub stuff, uh, humiliation play does kind of creep in pretty quick. And yeah, the idea of getting peed on, like, it's interesting, you know, it's, it's kind of like, there's something so primal about it, you know, like all through history, we've been able to pee on each other. And so it's an interesting... It's an interesting kind of base level humiliation, sharing, fluid exchange, power play dynamic. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I'm not going to go into too many details about that because um, I'm really enjoying the bit that <laughs> I've just written. But, um, but yeah. Okay. So that's sex. That's the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Uh, yeah. And um and then yeah, um, what else? Um, I uh, I finished um, I finished Post Office by Charles Bukowski. If you're wanting something to inspire you and and again help you remember that usually you don't become creatively successful until your late forties. <laughs> uh, yeah, so just you know keep that in mind. Um, feel, feel good about yourself. Don't, don't beat yourself up. Uh, I'm doing, I, you know, I actually, I'm not, I'm not worried about success. I'm, I'm, I'm succeeding right now being able to live, um, off comedy. So whatever, but just, you know, if you want to, if you want a uh, an uplifting read Bukowski's post office, I wouldn't call it an uplifting read, but it'll make you feel better about your life choices for sure. Cause his life was fucking shit for a while. Um, and then the last topic I wrote down on my little list of things to, uh, soliloquy on, um, is, uh, this whole topic of, oh my God, it's just exhausting. This whole, (laughs) this whole topic of like having children and parenthood, yeah, parenthood and like dating. And I had another conversation with my mom today and I love her so much and she's not wrong. It's just, there's this, and I, and I caught up with a good friend, um, recently and we talked quite a bit about it. She's a bit younger than me, just a couple of years. And, um, we were talking about this whole, yeah, I talked about the the conversation. So I also had this conversation with my mum and my stepdad in Melbourne. You know, finally, like 
my stepdad helping us put this whole conversation to bed about Anna, why don't you freeze your eggs? And I have explained it to my mum before, but it's um, but it just it just hasn't really kind of settled in her mind, and I don't think she's really accepted my my approach and decision around egg freezing. And so, um, if anyone is interested in egg freezing, uh, do it, do it if you can, do it if you've got the money, do it if you've got, I don't know, if you're young enough, I think. Uh, but for me, it doesn't make sense to me right now. The, the logic doesn't hold to put my body through the pressure of extreme hormonal treatment in order to, you know, like bang up the the number of eggs um, that are going to drop out uh, for them to then hard like collect. Uh, it's a huge amount of physical and emotional um, impact that all those hormones have. Uh, and then doing that without having a partner to be like, oh yeah, I'm doing this for us, baby. Yeah, yeah, look after me. Like doing it just in the hope that I find a partner that I think would be a good father. Um, I also, I also met up with um, yeah, another friend in Melbourne who had a baby in November. Uh, or, anyway, the baby's like less than a year old and um, she is 40 and uh, she calls me her, um, what does she call me? Like her miracle, her miracle fairy. Uh, she holds me responsible for her baby because uh, a few years ago in Melbourne for New Year's Eve, um, we met up on New Year's, New Year's Eve and, um, and she didn't have any plans that night. And I was like, oh, babe, like if you're not doing anything, come with me to this party that I'm going. So I checked in with my friends. I'm like, can I bring a friend? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I take her to this party and then within an hour she's chatting to this guy. And um, yeah, the, like because she came to that party with me, uh, her and that guy ended up dating and then they moved in together and now they've got a baby together and she really thinks that I'm I'm her, her cupid, which is very, very sweet. But basically they wanted they were trying for a baby. Um, it wasn't working. They went through IVF and so um, the whole egg collection stuff and um, her at the age of 39 or 40. Uh, they managed to collect like 15 eggs, which is, or 19, 19 eggs, which is decent, decent. Um, and they didn't even have to go through the freezing process. And within those 19 eggs, only eight of them were usable. And then three of them resulted in miscarriages. And then one worked and now she's got one egg left. Now, this is without even putting the eggs through the freezing process. So that tells you just how uh, hardcore, like how, un, how, how, how the probability is stacked against you with, with this whole egg collecting process and then like putting them in. So the eggs might not even take, they might be, not be good eggs, all of this. And if I were to go through this process, these eggs would also then be getting frozen. Um, and you're looking at like seven grand 7,000 euro for that process. I've got a friend in Germany who recently did it. And then about 500 euro per year per for the storage of the eggs. And then they might not even take, you know? And then, so to put my body through all of that for the possibility, and then who's to say that the guy I end up wanting to have as a father, who's to say that like his sperm will even work? Who's to say that my uterus will even like want to have a baby in it? You know, like who's, there's just so many variables. So I had this conversation with mom and finally, you know, cause she was always just like, oh, so you don't want to freeze your eggs. So I guess, you know, you don't want to be a mom that much. 
ah, and so I kind of like lost it at her. And thankfully my stepdad was there and we had a really good conversation about it where it was like, no, mom, I do want to be a mom, but I'm not, not at that price. And I'm not going to put myself through that much pressure and yeah, like financial, emotional, physical um, for the possibility. Now, since I had that conversation, I've also been thinking, uh, ruminating on the, this whole thing of like people, like I still, I still hold by the idea of not being with someone who I think would be a bad father to my children. Like I still think it's good for me to have that as a principle. Like I, I don't want to be with someone who I think would be a bad dad. Like that's pretty much an evaluation of that person's not a good person, you know, for me. So I still like that as a, as, as a principle. Um, but whether or not I would say no to being with some, whether or not, like, what if you fall in love with someone and they don't want to be a parent, but you have a really good time with them and you might want to be a parent, but you don't know if you could physically be a parent anyway. So this whole, this whole kind of mindset of like, oh no, I, you know, oh, you don't want to waste your time with someone who doesn't want to have kids. or you don't want to, it's like, surely a relationship and how you interact with someone is more important than the potential shared future that you could have. Like, I don't know. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just sort of looking down the barrel. I'm 36, you know, I'm 36. I, I have no idea if I will be able to have kids and the idea of, saying no to love based on and also people can change their minds right like my mom told me this morning um on a chat she sort of brought up the story and I think she brought it up as a as a bit of like a you know fair warning to me kind of story but the story was she's got a friend who um got married when she was in her mid-20s stayed in it too long wasn't a good marriage finally left she was um free of him in like around early like mid-30s then she met a guy when she was mid-30s who was 10 years younger than her they fall in love relationship continues and then one day she's like all right well i'm ready to have kids and he was like oh actually now nah, i don't want kids yet and then boom this woman like the relationship ends and then she's alone for 15 years and she's since found someone but yeah, she like didn't have kids because of that situation, but she also didn't have kids because she left that situation. Like, <sighs> like turning your back on love because you, you know, the, the, because of the whole baby thing, I just think might be a little bit naive. I don't know. Anyway, these are some of my ideas. This is where my brain's at right now. I just, I just really wish the whole motherhood, parenthood, child topic was less pressured and present and like yes I want to be a mum but it's like I just want there to be a bit more <laughs> of a thing in society that's like but it's totally cool if that doesn't happen and that's not a marker of you know a, a complete and fulfilled family life or life um yeah I'd like to experience it but I you know yeah like leaning into the uh, just might not happen and actually just a good partnership is something that is more of a priority than being with someone who wants to have kids but it's not a great partnership yeah maybe we can have it all who knows um okay guys well um those were my musings i um 
I will be back on the pod doing this properly. This is proper, but you know what I mean. Um, I'm super excited to be back in Berlin. Uh, lots of summer shows coming up. Derna Comedy is coming back. Um, and it looks like I'll also be doing a Derna Deluxe showcase as well. Um, but just confirming the dates for summer. Uh, if you're in Berlin, come, come by, come to a show, come see me. Um, and, uh, and spring is here. I hope you're all feeling a little bit more positive. The sun is coming out and, um, and excited to have uh, a guest on my podcast this week coming. So guys, um, thank you so much. This is, uh, this is adults only comedy Berlin. Uh, it's just been me today. Thank you so much and, uh, see you soon. Bye.